advanced contracts, GSA contracts for state and local governments. Those are a couple of the avenues by which the federal government and its acquisition system can get aid to Maui. As the Hawaiian district recovers from fire, we get more now from federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen. And so far, it seems to be Hawaiians helping themselves until the federal aid actually starts flowing, so far as we can tell. Tell us more about how contracting can play a part here. Tom, the government has set up several acquisition programs specifically tailored to issues like this for disaster prevention, relief, and recovery. Two of the most notable ones are FEMA's Advanced Contract Program and the Cooperative Purchasing Capability through GSA's Multiple Award Schedule Contracts. Together, these are pre-awarded contracts that have the ability not just for federal agencies to use them, but in the case of GSA multiple award schedules, Tom, state and local governments can have access to these contracts for their disaster relief needs. We're talking here about a wide array of solutions and products, everything from basic stuff that you'd expect like food, shelter, water, but also things like phone service, security, logistics assistance, So there's a pretty wide array of things that are available here where acquisition can really come in and assist a local or a state government in meeting their basic needs on the road to recovery. Now, the GSA schedules were generally open to state and municipal government, county government during COVID, but that general access was turned off, I think, when the emergency was declared over. But in another emergency like this one that's localized, then the GSA becomes available again. Is that how it works? It really kind of depends on the schedule contract, but almost every schedule contract has a built-in capability to serve customers at the state and local level during times of disaster preparedness or relief. So anytime you've got a disaster that's been declared, and you know certainly this series in Maui unfortunately qualifies, you can use the GSA schedule, whether you're a federal agency or a state or local agency, trying to recover. And again, it's pretty broad spread. You, know, you have almost everything under the sun that you can get from the schedules program, you know, shelter, all kinds of assistance with IT, telecommunications, things of that nature, and you can get it quickly. And then there are the FEMA advance contracts, which means that FEMA can buy quickly on behalf of a stricken area where FEMA people arrive. That's right, Tom. Not everybody knows about these. These are the FEMA advance contracts. FEMA has put in place over 100 standing contracts, some of which are for FEMA people to be able to use quickly so that they can do their job. But many of them are so-called end-user focused, where things like even durable medical equipment can be provided to stricken areas quickly and easily with minimal red tape so that people get the help that they need in a short period of time. You know, these contracts that FEMA put together kind of grew up over a series of national and natural disasters. And FEMA really has turned to and put this program together. The only thing I would say that could hold up some of this, Tom, is to the extent that state and local governments need help from federal contracting officers, you know, here we are in the middle of the busiest season for federal government buying. So we could find some of the acquisition resources stretched thin. But even then, what traditionally happens in an area of disaster like that is that contracting and other officials are taken off of what they're doing on a daily basis and put into where they're needed the most. So I would imagine that Hawaii would get the resources it needs from the federal government pretty quickly. 
We're speaking with Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners, and I wanted to switch gears right now and ask you about the order to return to the office or the urging of agencies by the White House to get their people back into their offices, at least some semblance of regular period during their two-week pay periods. My question is, does this benefit contractors who have also been absent, whereas many of them were on site you know, with a different colored badge, so to speak, for all these years? Tom, I think that the administration's order to return more federal employees to work does benefit contractors. It benefits contractors in several different ways. One, if you're a product contractor, somebody that's been selling print management solutions or furniture or consumables, things of that nature, not having federal agencies full of people has really hurt your business since COVID hit. And returning federal workers to their offices on a more consistent basis is going to provide additional opportunities for these contractors as offices need to be re-equipped. They need to be bought up to speed. They need to be modernized. There'll be a whole bunch of physical upgrade opportunities and physical support opportunities for those types of contractors. But it goes even beyond that, Tom. If you're a company of any type selling to the government, what I've talked about before the fact that as a government contractor, you really want to be in front of your customer physically, and your government customers should want to be in front of you. Even though virtual meetings can get us to a certain point, Tom, there's really no substitute for getting together in person. And now that agencies are going to be going back to work a little bit more, contractors are going to have increased opportunities to go meet people who may have been working at far-flung, decentralized, home-based offices. And now, even if you're not going to be able to get into a federal building, they have entry restrictions or things of that nature, there's still going to be the coffee shop downstairs or around the corner. People are going to be there. I think that that's a real benefit for government, too, because they're going to be able to have a better sense of what their contractor partners can provide and therefore they can write better statements of work and do more efficient acquisitions. I guess it's hard to have an industry day in your dining room with people parading through. (laughs) But it sounds like then that this will aid both sales of goods and products and so forth, but also for those body shops that have people on location with the federal government day by day doing services type of work, support type of work, whatever it is, the collaboration there will also be a much greater potential. Well, I think that's right, Tom. And there is really a benefit to collaboration. And this is kind of a larger issue that transcends government business. This is something that we've seen the commercial sector come back into an office for a certain number of days. It comes with maybe commuting into that location, collaborate to reestablish those contacts, especially for younger people. And it's very true in government, too. If you've got a younger, newer hire in government that's been working remotely two years of their federal service, you know, they may not have a real idea of what their agency mission is or how they fit into it. Being inside the physical building can really help give that context. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. Thanks so much. Tom, thank you, and I wish your listeners happy selling. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees, 
Join Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to share how his upbringing in rural Alabama eventually propelled him to the forefront of thousands of union members raising a collective voice. After years of leadership with both the largest federal employee union and as a pastor, Everett Kelly reflects on his deep-rooted values of integrity and hard work. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm joined by Mr. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees. Everett, welcome and thank you for being here. Shane, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's mine. You first joined AFGE in 1981 during what eventually became your 30 years of service at Anniston Army Depot. We're now more than 40 years past 1981 and you've been the union's national president since 2020. How's your decades-long involvement with AFGE impacted the way you view your role now as the union's leader? The time that I spent as local president, I simultaneously spent that same time as a pastor in Alabama. I like to say that this was my training ground because as I was entering into the role of unionism, I was also entering into ministry. And so I see my role even as the union leader, as ministry. It's never an understatement because this is what I believe. I believe that if you love people and show people that you love them, people will follow you. My business is in the business of growing people, uh, and that's what I do. And I I think that my training as a pastor and as a union uh, leader has given me the ability to really you know, uh, grow people because I feel like that, you know, it's my responsibility both as a union leader and as a pastor to ensure that people have a livable wage. It's also uh, my responsibility to ensure that people are treated fair with dignity and respect on the job. And I think that goes in both uh, arenas. So, so I've seen this, you know, as ministry, as I've grown through the four decades of leading people. Putting those two together is amazing. AFGE handles a massive array of issues and topics of importance to feds across many departments and agencies. What is it like being at the forefront of all those moving parts, and how do you manage it all? Well, first of all, let me give kudos to my staff, okay? Uh, Because it's just no way that I could manage all of this work and all the moving parts by myself. But I have an excellent staff that always make sure that I'm prepared and that I'm ready. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be out in the forefront, you know, uh, bringing people to the realization that they have something to fight for. But again, I cannot, and please understand, when I say I cannot, it's, it's, it's what I truly believe. I cannot do it without a good, strong staff. Uh, and I tell anybody that, but I enjoy fighting for the cause. I enjoy standing in front of a group of AFG members, calling them to action, and then standing back and watching that action come to fruition. Because I know that I'm not the one that's doing it, okay? They are the one that's doing it. I'm merely casting a vision, right? And I enjoy casting a vision and then watching that vision come to fruition. And it's the staff and the members that get that done. As CEO at, at WEPA, I completely and totally understand that we rely them. It's not just nice to have. We rely on Absolutely. As AFGE president, you often speak at union rallies and other events. 
widely attended by federal employees. What's it like to experience that direct connection to employees? And how does that influence your leadership style? You know, that gets me excited, okay? To be standing in front of a group of AFGE leaders get me excited. To hear the words, who are we, and the chants that come back that says AFGE gets me excited. It gets my motor uh, running, if you will. And it's exciting to look at them and see the motivation in their faces when they're fighting for a cause. And, and, and all of us come together and fight uh, in solidarity, fight as one, raise one voice. You can't explain the feeling. You just know that it's right. You know, I just know that it's right when I'm standing there and I feel this. And I never fail to say thank you again because I'm the one that merely cast division. They are the ones that get the work done. And so when I see them out there ready to go and that call to action goes out, and then I see them really begin to march on that uh, initiative. It's an energy that I cannot explain. I can explain it. I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> um, d- d- describe how your personal background and upbringing folds into how you function as a leader. You know, understanding that I was born in the Deep South. I was born in a little small town in Goodwater, Alabama, population 1,292 today. Born to parents that, and I hope I don't offend anybody, and I've got to quit saying this, but, but I was born to a set of parents that, believed and trusted in God. And that began to establish who I was. I began to trust God myself in everything that I do. I I trust God even in this situation as a union leader because my parents taught me to believe in uh, the Bible. And with that came do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. In other words, treat people right. Treat people with respect, right? Do what's right. It taught me, you know, about integrity, right? It taught me about being honest, you know, and that's what's needed in the role of a leader of this union. It's it's needed, uh, and, you know, I try to portray that. I try to portray a person of honesty and a person of integrity. And so being in the Deep South, you know, you you, you just learn those things, and that's what has helped me uh, throughout my path as a union leader. And it's always nice, that whole approach, because you don't have multiple approaches with different people or different sets of different tasks, different energy. It's it's always straightforward, yes. honest, here's the truth. Yes. And it, it's it's easy. Yes, right? yes. It's a lot easier than having multiple personas. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What's one piece of advice, if you could go back and tell yourself when you were starting your career? You know, I don't know you asked for one, but I'm, I'm going to have to elaborate on two, yeah, if that's yeah. okay. Number one, I would explain the urgency of integrity a lot sooner than what I did, right? Because to me, integrity is not necessarily what you see others do or what others see you do, but integrity to me is what you do even when no one is looking. And so I, I would really begin to stress that importance more so at an earlier state in my leadership role rather than the latter part. Okay, I begin to stress that more now, but I wish I had began to do that more at the earlier states in my uh, role. Secondly, I would tell myself to always, and I'm going back to my roots, 
always work hard and don't ever accept no as an answer, right? Because I just believe that if you want it bad enough, if you want to achieve it, you can. It's all about the amount of work you put into it, right? And the and the amount of faith you have that it can be accomplished. So when I look at AFGE and its membership and where we were four or five years ago and where we are today, that's a reminder that you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and work hard enough. And one question that's always kind of interesting at, at the end of our time together is, is there one person, you mentioned your parents before, mm-hmm. um, is there one person or maybe more than one who really inspired you when you were younger that you might even think back on today? It was my grandmother. You know, with the understanding that when and when I was born, right, as I said, I was born in the Deep South. My father worked extremely hard. We didn't have a whole lot. You know, my, I had 12 siblings. And so when I was born, I was very sick. As a matter of fact, the doctor said I wouldn't live to be 16 years old. The doctor said I wouldn't ever hold a job. But my grandmother would always teach me how to pray. And she taught me about faith. And it is prayer and faith that has allowed me to be standing here today. Suppose I've been dead 50 years ago, but I'm 66 years old now. And it's all because of my faith and my belief and my prayer life. And I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amazing story. Thank you for sharing all of it with us, Everett. And really appreciate you being on the show today. Pleasure is mine. And this is Shane Canfield. We'll see you next time on Lessons in Leadership. Find the full podcast and future episodes of Lessons in Leadership on the Federal News Network app and anywhere you enjoy your podcasts.